Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. How you guys doing? I hope you're doing well, having a great week. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. We're going to be handing them out like Halloween candy today, Scotty. Well, how'd you end up yesterday? How'd you do? Did well. I won my play of the day pretty easily. Ended up having the Pirates team total under three and a half. Arr. They had two hits. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cardinals won four nothing. Wainwright, be good, Scotty. 88 pitch shutout. That's, That's impressive. That is impressive. That's absolutely impressive. And especially since I think Adam Wainwright is 57 years old. So that is. Uh, yes, you round that down, you get 39, but he's 57. <laughs> Even more impressive. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done, indeed. I got a couple of uh, bad whomps as I had the I had the carryover. I had the Washington Nationals getting a nice, solid price uh, against the Mets. They had a three-one, excuse me, four-one lead when the heavens opened up, and then it went downhill from there as the Mets ended up scoring two in the bottom of the eighth uh, to beat me by a run. And then not to be outdone, I had the Cincinnati Reds as a slight underdog in a game I really like with Wade Miley, who was terrible. They were able to fight all the way back, take the lead in the top of the 11th, only to get two outs in the bottom of the 11th and give up a three-run home run. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. So not even the run line would have been good there. But hey, I think we were getting ahead of ourselves because uh, that's how bad Call of the Cops is today. That game didn't even make it. Well, it did but not for that reason. So you know what? Before I give too much away, Scott, let's just get right to it. Let's talk about the people like me who took it in the shorts today, thought they had a winner like me, and then all of a sudden they didn't. You know what I'm going to do, Scott? I'm getting on my phone right now and calling the cops. All right, so we will start off in a game, surprisingly, I didn't have. This is the Yankees team total over five and a half against the Royales, a little businessman special afternoon game. Yankees all over the Royals early, scored five runs in the first four innings. And then that exquisite Royals bullpen came in and shut them down. The Yankees scored nothing, not a run for the final five innings. They win five to two because, you know, Royals, but they don't go over five and a half. And if you had the Yankees team total over five and a half, Maybe even a live play, Yankees over seven and a half, something like that. Yeah, they were all no good. You should all call the cops. And the second one was in Summer League basketball. If you had the Grizzlies on the money line taking on the Heat, you were in good shape. Grizzlies led by 11 points at halftime, led by eight points going into the fourth quarter, led by two points with less than six seconds left in regulation and overtime, lost by three in double overtime. And the reason why that's even worse is because they didn't even play five minutes for double overtime. If you did not know, the double overtime rule for summer league basketball is sudden death. You do a jump ball. Knife fight? And the first, and the first team to score wins. Miami won the jump, hit a three-pointer about five seconds later, and you're going to rip up your Grizzlies ticket. You know, here's the thing. I don't know why they don't make it like the NFL, where if somebody goes down and hits a three-pointer, the other team at least has a chance to tie it. I think it should be the first unanswered basket. I don't know why they can't just play for a minute. Ooh, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Because you don't want games, you don't want summer league games to go three and a half hours, I would guess. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, yep. if you did not know the rule, and you were actually watching summer league basketball, because I'm sure somebody decided to place their first ever summer league bet on some afternoon summer league basketball. And, and saw the double overtime and thought, I got another five minutes. And then you realize, wait, why is the clock not running? Wait, why is the game over? And they just lost all their money. All right, Scott, the last game. Uh, this is, <laughs> uh, so we meet again, Reds Braves. If you had the Reds Braves under nine and a half, you can arguably say you took a worse beat than I did with the side on the Reds. Because they had, uh, well, as I mentioned, they had an early 5 nothing lead. The Reds uh, chipped away. They finally got it back to three runs. It was 5-3 after eight innings. And the Reds, uh, they weren't, they, there's no die in this team. There's no quit in this team, Scott. They scored two runs in the top of the ninth, send the game into extra innings. As I believe I mentioned previously, 
it did not go well in extra innings for the Reds as they end up losing 8-6. But by then, you were far uh, removed from that game. You'd probably turned it off, thrown something to get the TV because that 9.5 was long gone, and you should call the cops. So I know that the Reds aren't going to make the playoffs most likely, and I know that in order to actually make the playoffs, you know, you're going to need a team like Milwaukee to fall apart. Does Votto have any shot at some NL MVP consideration just because of how good he's been? I know the answer is probably no, because people keep talking about Harper, especially with Tatis being injured and DeGrom, of course, being out for arguably the rest of the year. Does Votto have any shot? Because he's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't hate that. I was trying to see if there's a price on. Eh, it looks like they've taken. They've got him down for the games. I was hoping that. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, but this second half is historic. At least it feels that way, doesn't it? He's having. He's having a very good half a year. I don't know if he's going to be able to overtake Harper, but you know Harper's a streaky guy too. So Philly might not make the playoffs either. So can you make a case if Tatis hypothetically either a doesn't play well when he comes back, or B, maybe he's out a little bit longer and Harper misses the playoffs. Does Votto have a shot? Like, I'm really curious what the value is there because he hits a home run almost every day. Uh, you know what? I'm looking at odds that were actually updated on the 10th, and it shows Votto at 80 to 1, sir. That sounds like that's excuse way me. too high. Based Se- excuse on... me. Uh, I will say you can get 70 to one or 80 to one. Yeah. Depending on where you yeah, go. He's been a little bit too good at the plate to be at 70 to one right now. Agreed. Um, so that, that's... that feels like 20 to one, 15 to one. I agree. I think there, I think there's definitely some value there, but anyway, I was segueing. I just thought that was it worth talking about because Votto did everything for Cincinnati yesterday. You had an honorable mention, Scott, that just made me laugh in the, uh, in, in the blowout. Oh, honorable mention here with the Tampa Bay Rays on the team total over. It's my favorite. I I believe it was four and a half. It could have potentially been five, but I doubt it because Boston was favored. But they were down 20 to one. That's right. 20 to one going into the ninth inning. Never say die. So they had one run through eight innings and somebody was watching it with over four and a half. You know, they were. Tampa had nothing to play for except for pride. And for that guy's bet, because Tampa scored seven runs, seven meaningless runs in the ninth inning to lose the game 20 to eight. Oh, uh, you know why I can laugh, Scott? Because I didn't have that bet. That's yep. absolutely brutal. Oh, uh, uh, do you think there was anybody in Tampa that, well, you know, if we can get a couple more guys on, get? A, do you think there was anybody that was thinking they were like going to come back? I'm assuming that half of the fans at Tropicana probably had money on the game. Because nobody goes to Tropicana. Nobody goes. Nobody stops at the Trop. All right, then Scott. Again, of course, the game was uh, in game was in Boston, I believe. So I'm guessing if anyone did actually have bets on that, probably wasn't many in Fenway Park. Yeah, probably not that way. Um, so usually we struggle to come up with three call of the cops. A lot of times the games go kind of you know the way you think they there's a blowout and blah blah blah. But today we had. Um, we had our choice, Scott. We had a yes. plethora of games to choose from. But let's go to the other part, Scott. Let's go to the good news. Let's go to the yin to the yang, if you will. Uh, these are the nice, easy victories, the ones where you got to chill and take it easy because why? You were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was the game I just talked about. If you had the Red Sox on the money line, that was easy. Led five to nothing after the second inning. Led ten to nothing after the fourth inning. Wait a minute, I have ten. Let me double down on that. <laughs> they ended up with twenty. Won the game twenty to eight. It's one of those. It's one of those math things. Can you spot the? Can you spot the pattern? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. Five five nothing after two. Ten nothing after four. Twenty after. I just wish they'd have played more innings. Um, yep. Hey, how about Brewers Cubs? First five over five and a half. Brewers uh, made an early night for you. They scored seven runs in the top of the first. Eight nothing after five innings. Hey, uh, no problem at all. Thanks for playing. We'll see you next time. And the last one was a day game between the Marlins and the Padres. If you had the Marlins on the money line, plus 145. Alcantara was fantastic, and Miami's offense was pretty solid for once as well. We mentioned once every three weeks they score seven runs. There it is. And they scored seven runs 
yesterday, and they gave up none. So that was a nice, easy winner for Marlins betters. By the way, anybody that was on that at plus 145, you're welcome, because I did not play it, and Sandy Alc- uh, Alcantara is one of those guys that um, just seems to only pitch terribly when I back him. So you're welcome, America. All right, Scott. <laughs> oh, man. I never have ever wanted to like have a TV show more than I do right now. Because no matter how we do this, we cannot do the, we cannot do them justice. We absolutely cannot. Some days there are many competitors for Donkey of the Day. Scott and I have to spend some time and narrow it down and come up with our favorite. Not today. As soon as I sent this to him, Scott knew exactly that he, that it was going to be the Donkey of the Day. So without further ado, let's gonna find let's find out who's putting on the golden feed bag today, Scott. Who's it gonna be? Donkey of the Day. All right. You want to do the honors today? You found it, so I figured I'd let you do the honors. Uh, all right. Well, I came across, Scott, the Nebraska football jersey that they're going to wear one time this season. Do you, did you? Did, I don't remember who, who they're going to wear it against. Do you know what the occasion um, is? checking right now, but... It's... Okay. If you've ever seen their mascot and what he's wearing, Lil Red is his name. He has it's against a, Oklahoma on September 18th. Of course it is, because, sure. When you lose by 60, you better look the part. <laughs> is Oklahoma going to be wearing gingham jerseys? Or, um, anyway, so Lil Red, he looks like Bob's big boy without the hat or the platter of hamburgers. Other than that, it's pretty much Bob's big boy. Would you agree, Scott? Yeah, sounds like a good comparison. And he has red suspenders, and what they've done with the Nebraska uniform, is they have given them a red uniform, but it looks like they're actually wearing suspenders. It looks like they're wearing nighttime jammies. I just, I don't know if the uniform... It's painted on overalls. It's basically what it is. It's what it is. It's like the tuxedo shirts, only with overalls. It's a tribute to Lil Red. And my goodness, are they getting roasted on social media? You know me, Scott. I'm not a big social media guy. I usually don't jump on the pile, but... This case, it was well deserved. <laughs> You've got to see them. Google Nebraska uniforms. I promise it'll come up, and I promise you will laugh. So, uh, Scott, let's do one more segment here. This was one that definitely caught both of our attention, and uh, we want to we want to find out what was up because it would appear, Scott, that the odds makers were drunk. What do you got, big guy? So we're going to look at a matchup that happened between the Orioles and the Tigers. And of course, I liked the Tigers two days ago and the odds didn't really change. Uh, Orioles open up at a pick at around minus 105 or minus 110 with Harvey on the mound against Scooball. And the issue with that is that Baltimore had lost each of their fir- of their last six games by at least three runs. That's not good. Yet they were still a pick against Detroit. Now, of course, money came in on Detroit. Detroit closed at around minus 120. But you're going to open up Baltimore at a pick Yeah, of course they lost by three runs. Why wouldn't they lose by three runs? I don't right. know what the oddsmakers were thinking. They were drunk. They were absolutely had to be drunk, Scott. I just I had Detroit. Yeah, that was that was a good play. Scooball. You know, I think we've talked before. I think that Detroit staff. Underrated. I think, I think they're going to, and I think they're only going to get better going forward. It's going you to You know be- who was also barely pitched this season? Uh no, Matthew Boyd. That's right. That's right. And he and he was one of their best starters going into the year. Yeah, he's been on the shelf for a few months now, right? Yeah. So yeah, you've got you've got him. You've got Scooball. You've got uh, the kid that threw the no hitter. Um, well, he's also out for the year. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, but in general, I talked about it on the air. Talked about a Scooball's a guy who I roasted in the past, but he's been very good lately. Baltimore at a pick'em, they could be playing a triple A team. I wouldn't put them at a pick them. No, no, Paul. The team's awful. You know, and Matt Harvey had pitched better lately. Uh, actually, you know, he'd been really good for what do you have? Three great starts in a row, and then he yeah. and then he kind of turned back into you know four five zero Matt Harvey. I That's, mean, he's he's okay, but at the end of the day, Baltimore can't really hit, and yeah. they can pitch, and the bullpen's useless, so other, they don't really do anything well. Other than that, they're pretty strong, and I like their chances. Yes. 
yeah, these are two teams that were supposed to be just about as bad, and there is a large gulf of difference between the Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles. So, quick reminder to you guys, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners, and we'll also give you a laugh if you look up the Nebraska uniform. So, um, Scott, I found a... A lot of interesting props, college football, but I think uh, South Southgate is putting out one of the most interesting props, and it puts it gives you uh, or South Point rather. I think I said <laughs> Westgate and South Point. Um, South Point, they give you four groups of uh, NCAA football teams and diff- four teams apiece. Different different odds. Some of them have five. Scott, okay. I'm I'm sorry. Some of them have six. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They all have six. So there are 18 teams, Scott. So let me see which one I can interest you in. At plus 225, you have the defending national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide, Texas, Iowa State, Miami, Penn State, and Cincinnati. Once again, plus 225 on that group. Who do you like there besides Bama? Anybody? No. And just to reiterate, this is to win the national championship. To win the national championship. That is correct. All right, at 4-1, to one, you have Clemson, LSU, USC, Notre Dame, Florida, and Wisconsin. 4-1 to one there. Scott, anybody besides Clemson get your attention? I've heard good things out of the LSU practice. Is this going to be the year USC gets back in prominence? Or uh, is this Notre Dame's year? No. No. Okay, you don't like anybody in that group? No offense to my alma mater there in Wisconsin, but no. Okay, good. And the favorite, Scott, minus 125 is Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, UNC, Oregon, Texas, A&M. So you might be wondering, why are they favored if, if Bama's not in there? And the answer is because you probably should get two to three teams into the playoff with that group. Mm-hmm. It's a really solid group from top to bottom, which is why they're one, which is why they're the favorite by a decent margin. You get Ohio State in there. Uh, you end up getting Georgia. We know Georgia, even if they never beat Bama, they are still always extremely competitive in the SEC. UNC's probably, uh, I don't call them a sleeper because they're probably the second best team in the conference. But if there was one team that was going to hypothetically dethrone Clemson in the ACC, I'm assuming you'd agree it would have to be North Carolina. I don't hate Miami, but I think, UN, I think UNC has, has a better shot. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but as a whole, you got a lot of options. You said Oklahoma was in that group also, right? Yeah, you get, yeah, you get Ohio State and Oklahoma. That's what I'm saying. So you're probably you're looking at potentially two teams in the playoff. If you're lucky, maybe three if Georgia pulls off some great season. So I can understand why, at the end of the day, am I taking anybody besides Bama to win? No. But instead of taking plus 230, whatever, with Bama in the group, just take Bama by itself. Yeah, plus 250 at Bet Online. I just I just looked it up. So you're not really getting – they're giving you – it's like when you have the 1A, 1, 1A, 1B, 1C at the horse track. They probably all suck. So you're getting – a lot of 1As here with Texas, Iowa State, Miami, Penn State, and Cincinnati. It's It looks better when you're actually trying to watch multiple teams play for fun, but you're taking that side for Bama yeah. and for Bama alone. That's yep. kind of just a given. Now, if you want to absolutely set fire to your money, if you want to just light it with a match, you can take the field. Play some craps and bet the field? At 20 to 1. At much better odds in the field in on a craps game. So you, you, and, need, I, yeah. you and I talked about this yesterday, Scott. What do we decide the best team that's not on this list as far as the preseason ranking goes is Indiana? I skipped over Indiana. I told you that I thought the team that had the hypothetical best chance from the field would be Washington. Right. Just because of the fact that they're in a Power 5 conference, kind of. Mm. The Pac-12, for some reason, still considered a Power 5. Right. I think Washington's got a good chance to win the conference. So if you think that they can maybe run the table and the Pac-12 is still overrated based on public perception, which they're not, but mm-hmm. assuming that you still felt that way, I think Washington is worth maybe a sniff. But as a whole, you don't really get many Cinderella's in college football nowadays to win a title. Nope. Nope. Not going to be Coastal Carolina. I wish it, wish it would. I wish it would. But it's not going to be. So, by the way, if you want to make that bet, 20 to 1, what I would prefer you do instead is just send your money to us. Um, Scott, we, do we have any kind of a uh, Patreon set up? Not not as of right now, but uh. we can work something out if you want to bet this prop. We could figure it out. And by the way, if you want to bet Washington to win the national championship, you can just send that money to me, Scott. Curious, what is that price for Washington to win the title? 
Well, that is an interesting question, Scott. And since I just happen to have those odds in front of me, let's uh, take it's a look. It's all about comparing it to what the field odds are. I can tell you at Bet Online, they are 80 to 1. Okay. And my question for you is I mentioned Washington as the field team. I don't think they're going to make the college playoff, of course. But right. If you're talking about a long shot that maybe could. Do you have a team that you'd think of that can maybe be worthy of part of the field but has a good chance to win or not a good chance to win but even just a sniff at 0.2 percent to win outside of that group um... I mentioned Washington because they're in a power five and that team I think has a good chance to win the Pac-12 but do you have another team or do you agree with Washington with 0.001 percent to win um I think Oklahoma State with that offense always has a puncher's chance to especially get to get out of the Big Twelve, they can if they can take care of business at Bedlam. And I know, know Gundy's a good coach. Isn't he guaranteed to lose like two, three regular season games like just, every year? To stupid teams, absolutely. That's kind of what they do. And the other one I would take a look at is Utah at eighty to one. So I can get OSU at hundred to one. I can get Utah at eighty to one. I don't, okay. I don't hate you know again something I'm probably not going to play. But point is, we're both looking at the Pac-12 because they still get some respect because they're still grouped in with a bunch of other conferences that are better than them. Yep. But maybe if one can run the table, you might get some momentum. I would th- I would think if you want to take a long shot, it, it ought to come out of the Big 12 or the Pac-12. Yeah, that's how I feel. All right, very good. Um, hey, speaking of the Big 12, Scott, uh, Baylor football was really kind of given a slap on the wrist for their... Uh, for Kind of. For their um, rampant misconduct on their... Not just their sports team, Scott, but on the entire campus... This is not institutional control. This is a lack of university control. Yeah, I mean, it's literally the institution. Yeah, it's um, that never made sense talking about a program. It should be program control, but this is actually institutional control. And one of the reasons cited, because they had, if, if you don't recall, they had, they had rapes, they had alleged rapes, they had assaults, and they were unreported. Art Bryles was accused of looking the other way. You know it's bad when you have rapes and alleged rapes. Right. Right, so. that's that's what I'm saying. So, they, the NCAA could not act in saying the program was out of control, that it didn't have proper reporting measures in place and all that. Why? Because the entire university didn't have reporting procedures in place. The entire university didn't do what needed to be done. And, therefore, there was no difference between the football team and what the rest of the college was doing so they were unable to any kind of put any kind of penalties on them because, of course, they don't control anything outside of the sports aspect of it. So it was a scathing report, and the NCAA basically did nothing. They gave them a slap on the wrist for some recruiting violations. But do you know what's yeah? Do you know what's more important than uh, alleged rape allegations? Yeah, Apparently, it's recruiting violations. Yeah. Apparently, that's worse. What he, he shot him an extra text? Oh yeah, we can't have that. Unbelievable, I, Scott. Un- it's it's a joke and a half. It it really is. It really is. It's, I you know I don't want. I, I, we have to talk about it because it was a big it was a big piece of news. But it is so depressing that that went on for so long and just nobody cared. Nobody believed them. Just just awful. So well, you could make the same argument that the NSA also turned the other way when Michigan State had their huge scandal because yes, Tom yes. Izzo is still the coach. Well, right. Well, I mean that was. Yeah, that was in the in the athletic department, and um, you had Adrian Payne, the former player who ended up. I don't remember if he pleaded guilty or he was charged with another rape allegation once he went pro. You had a couple of issues at Michigan State as well, and nothing's happened to that program. Right. Yep. So it, it it's sad, but it's the reality we live in, which is that the NCAA cares more about recruiting violations than disciplining universities that let's just say don't exactly provide a women's safety as a huge priority not happy not not happy about it at all it'll be it's hard for me to root for baylor you know it really it's is a joke so but all right very good and and of course by the way scott baylor of course is a private religious institution so yeah there's that so is the catholic church mm. anyway let's talk i don't about, know if, i don't know if i can say that on air but i just did you just did so hey let's talk about Something a little happier, shall we? J.R. Smith, Scott, remember him? Uh, yes, I do. Basketball, Anything is possible. Basketball player, first round pick, went right out of high school. You're, from, you're familiar with his work. Well, Scott, he wants to now uh, continue his college career. How old is he? 
He is old enough, apparently, to enroll as a freshman at <laughs> North Carolina a and I think he's, what, 37, 38, something like that? Uh, definitely mid to late 30s. He's um, going to enroll at North Carolina A&T, a historically black university, to play, hopefully, play golf on the golf team, Scott. He did not have any college eligibility because, I mean, he did not use any college eligibility because he went straight from high school to the NBA. And, of course, this is what the NCA specializes in, Scott, making these kind of uh, decisions based on minutia, which will they, will they will come up with a way not to let him play, just to be the NCAA. So this is the kind well, of thing well, they get involved in. that was the case. Sorry to interrupt. That was the case, but I'm assuming he would have been able to go back because he would have lost his amateur status because he was getting money to play in the pros. However, with the whole, uh, you know, agreements with the likeness and everything, now you can hypothetically earn in the past. So that, I don't know if that's going to change anything. That rule changed, Scott. When, when I was younger, it used to be if you'd earned money playing any sort of professional sport, then you could yeah. not have your amateur status. But it changed because, you know, you had, you know, guys that have played minor league baseball and then, you know, come come back or, or, or play, you know, play baseball and then come back to play football and things like that. So um, they've loosened those rules a little bit where you can still make money in another sport. So hopefully they'll hopefully they'll do the right thing because I think it'd be a hoot. I would actually I would watch the North Carolina A&T golf games. And I wouldn't say that before today. So they've got a fan. I'd like to, I'd like to see how he does. That's a great story. I think the only thing that's stopping J.R. Smith is the fact that he has to wear a shirt while he plays. Has to wear a what? A shirt. Because <laughs> if you remember the championship parade, he was constantly shirtless like for- the entire time. I'd forgot about that. So Scott, give us some of the highlights of his career. I know you're kind of a an NBA historian geek. So tell us some of the highlights of J.R. Smith's career. He was, he was good. Yeah, he was a good player. Uh, of course, his best years came in Denver and that brief stint with New York before he got his brother on the team as part of the contract. And they cut his brother about two days into the season because his brother wasn't that good at basketball. But when it comes to the main play of his career, for better or worse, it's the game one of the NBA finals dribbling out the clock in the tie game. That's the one play that people are going to think of when they think of J.R. Smith's career, which is unfortunate, but it makes sense. But he was always a heat check three-point shooter who used to be extremely, extremely athletic. And he was an entertaining player, but he was never a star by any means. Pretty solid NBA career. I think they said he made $60 million over his career. Yeah, and he won a title. Yeah, that's, that's, I call that a good life. I'm assuming you'd agree, though, that when it comes to memorable plays of J.R. Smith, you have game one, not using a timeout, dribbling the ball out, and then some other play for play two that people can't think of. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it, isn't it? That's about right. That's that's exactly right. So, all right. So that's that. That's that's you know that's a fun story. And as long as he doesn't just uh, uh, miss the putt on purpose because he thinks he already has it won, uh, I think I think they'll be fine. Says he's, says he's a four handicap, Scott. That doesn't surprise me. A lot of the pro athletes are either a bored when they're not playing basketball or be just good at sports, believe it or not, because yeah. they're quite athletic. Yep, they, they absolutely are. Who was the guy that said he if you gave him 90 days, he could play in the NHL? Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I understand NHL Twitter was not happy about that. Uh, they were not. But I know that Anthony Edwards also has said that he's a great athlete. He could play baseball, could play any sport he wanted to. That was a really fun interview, if you heard that, during Summer League, when asked if he's a good swimmer. And he said, "Like Michael Phelps." <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that quote. I didn't see the interview, but I read. The, but I read the story. He's a really funny guy, Anthony Edwards. Do you think he was being serious about being able to compete at that level in another sport? I think in his mind, he believes so because he thinks that he's a fantastic athlete, which I'm sure he is. I think that he could bowl. I think he could play any sport he wanted to because he's extremely athletic. But when you ask him, and you have that. Uh, disillusion that you can compete with the best of the best in every single sport. Right. A, it's a good characteristic to have if you're going to be a franchise player. B, it also means you're a little bit delusional. And I think that's both can be the case in the situation. Uh, I believe the list of, of people that could compete successfully in the two of the four major sports, uh, I believe there's three people on that list. That'd be Jim Thorpe, Bo Jackson, and Deion Sanders. Scott, you got anybody yeah. else to add? Um, 
If you want those to be- are the main ones. I mean, if you want to include college, you can talk about Russell Wilson with baseball, mm-hmm. even Kaepernick in baseball with college. But well, and Dan- Danny, part, those are the three. Danny Ainge did play professional baseball and professional basketball. He wasn't a superstar at either, so that's why you, I left Charlie him. Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward was another one, right? Although he didn't play, I don't think he played baseball after college, did he? No, but I'm saying that he played football, won the Heisman, then he went to basketball, and he played for the Knicks. I'll tell you, there was there's one that you've probably never heard of that I actually uh, spent time on the same team when he was a senior. It's Phil Bradley out of Mizzou, who yeah. was the uh, quarterback there and then went on to play the outfield for Seattle Mariners for eight, ten years. Mm. So, all right, there you go, guys. And uh, stay tuned, because on the other side, we're going to break down the NFC West and the AFC West, as well as bring you our favorite play in the Bet the Farm segment. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay, hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see, that wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them. Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winers Radio. Winners and Winers Radio, give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And that's what we're fitting to do right now, Scotty. Well, we've done the East. We've done the South. We've done the North. What's left, Scott? Got to do the West. Got to do the West, baby. The NFC and the AFC West. All right, let's start... With the NFC, Scott, we'll save, we'll save the best for last, shall we? Let me uh, ask you a question. We talked about it yesterday on the show. We talked about the possibilities of teams going worst to first. And for us, there was really only one team that stood out as the possible uh, team that could do that. Scott, who was it? 49ers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the 49ers, in, in kind of a weird twist, 49ers are the favorite in that division. So you could say a favorite DraftKings has plus 180 Rams plus 190. So technically, but it's kind of a co-favorite situation. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, I think it is. That's a, um, yeah, you're getting, you're getting plus money on either, on either one of these teams. And this is a, this is probably, is this the most wide open division where literally all four teams have a chance to win? I mean, Arizona, Probably almost certainly not going to win, but are they better? Is Arizona better than any other last place team? Yes. Now, if you want to talk about the most open division, it's the NFC East. 
because every team is so bad. Right, right. That's so true. So when you talk about all four teams having a shot to win, I'd go with the NFC East. Okay. Because if the Eagles, who have the greatest plus return to win the division, ended up pulling it off, I feel like people wouldn't be as surprised as they probably should be because the rest of the division teams are not very good. But the talent is here, which is why I think Arizona doesn't have much of a shot. But then again, we also can name a bunch of coaches we like more than Kingsbury. And you can. The, I, I like Kingsbury. I know you're you're an anti-Kingsbury oh, guy. Yes. You like him a little bit more than I do. But I do. anyway, point is, is that after the Hail Mary win against Buffalo last year with Arizona and how Kyler Murray looked like he was going to lead the team to the playoffs, they imploded so fast yeah they really the did stretch i can't trust this team at all so no i think arizona's gonna come in last i think they'll be competitive but i do think they'll win seven games okay give or take okay. mostly because of how good the other teams are but seattle's another one of those teams that we mention it every year on paper the team's not very good and yet russell wilson and carroll find a way to win 11 games every year i it's I don't know if it's uh you know pixie dust some kind of magic I don't really know what the story is but I feel like every game that's one possession Seattle wins like 90 percent of them when most teams win about 50 yeah can you explain that to me because Seattle wins every game by like three points no they do it they do it with mirrors Scott I don't I don't understand how it works I don't understand how they do it but yet there it is so they've got the uh, NFC West this year by the way matches up with the NFC North, and it looks like the AFC South. So kind of a kind of a mixed bag there. Should be some interesting games, Scott, between the the Rams and the Packers and things like that. So are you a believer in the Rams' new quarterback, Scott? I definitely am intrigued because I know that we disagreed on Kingsbury. We also disagree for opposite reasons on the coach, Sean McVay. For the Rams, because I know you're not the biggest fan of him, or you think he's a bit overrated. I think he's a bit overrated, I, yes. I think he's tremendous, so we disagree on him. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that we would both agree that Stafford is a lot better than Jared Goff. So are you willing to say that? Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, it, Goff just fell off fell off the shelf, man. He was, he was really good, and then he all of a sudden wasn't. So I'm willing to give now the problem that I have with Stafford is his durability because he's, I thought you're going to say the stat padding and the fact that against good teams he tends to be historically terrible but you know what he plays for a terrible team and, and terrible teams oh, are yes, going to did. be historically yes, terrible against good teams so I'm I'm willing to give him I'm willing to give him a pass but that's I why I'm intrigued they he can go through all of the court all the coaches he's had at Detroit and now he has an actual coach you might think McVeigh is overrated you can agree with me he's better than any coach that he's ever had in Detroit is that fair? Maybe you can make an argument Jim Caldwell, but I probably would think that McVay's better. Was he there after Wayne Fonts? Uh, definitely. Definitely okay. the case. All right. Then, yeah. All right. Fine. My problem is, can you can you give me one Rams backup quarterback? Uh, is Sean Mannion still there? Nope. He's gone? He's gone. I thought it was a great guess because I know he was there for a while. It's not bad. Very, very good preseason quarterback I've bet on in the past. Nice. Sean Mannion, but I don't even know who the backup quarterback is. Can I interest you in John Wolford? Okay, Wake Forest. Perhaps Bryce Perkins? Okay, Virginia. And Duck Hodges. Nice. That's what happened to Duck Hodges? Yeah. I love that guy. He's the he's carrying the bench in, nice. in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's currently fourth on the death chart. So that's a huge problem. If something happens to Stafford, and something will happen to Stafford, so. But well, we also know that the roster is extremely top-heavy because when you're paying Stafford that much money, you're paying Ramsey that much money, you're paying Aaron Donald that much money. Mm -hmm. Your team depth isn't exactly a strength. No, no, that's I. I don't. I ultimately don't like this team. I, I think the team's fine. I just wouldn't pick them to win the division. No, I've got the Niners. So do I. I've of got... course, you can make an argument Garoppolo is not great, and I'm not going to argue with you because I don't think he is great, but. The ground game for San Francisco is just so good. Do you rather have it's, rather have the San Francisco defense or the LA defense? I'm taking San Francisco. Yeah, when too. healthy, yeah, I'll go San Francisco. I, I agree. Mean, I, know that, I know that the secondary is a bit of a concern because Sherman's not there anymore, and he had the injury issues and everything like that. But 
besides Donald, do the Rams actually have a great defensive line or is it just only Aaron Donald who makes everyone else look better? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. And you know, until he gets hurt, you don't have to find out, but correct. That's, um, that's always the question when you look at those guys and you try to, and you try to gauge the talent around them. You're like, well, how much is it because the other guys are getting double and sometimes even triple teams. So yeah, I like, you know, I'll tell you who I like, Scott. I like, I like that safety for San Francisco. I like Tart. Um, okay. He's but he's a guy that's always struggling to stay on the field too. You, you, I'm a big fan of Warner, who I think is the most underrated linebacker in the entire league. Yes, yes, I that would. Yeah, I don't know about the most underrated, but he's. he's a, I think he's one of them, and yeah. he got paid, which he deserved to. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize how good he actually is. He's fantastic. Yep, I agree with that. So our final order for this, I'm going to go. I'm going to go San Francisco, Seattle. Uh, L.A., Arizona. Okay. I almost uh, went I Arizona the, in front of L.A. The hardest part for me is going to be deciding second or third because I do think Seattle and Los Angeles are neck and neck with each other. Okay. I'm going with the 49ers, my bold call in the division. I think Trey Lance might start the majority of the games for San Francisco this season. Mm, Trey that's Lance starts nine games or more. Yeah, that's that's my bold call for the okay. season based on all of the momentum he's getting in training camp and everything. I think there's actually a decent chance he he's got heat, Scott. He's got he heat. Does. So uh, I think it's going to be exactly what motivates Jimmy Garoppolo to take that next step and be the quarterback they always thought he was going to be. We'll see. Uh, we just we know for a fact that Lance definitely has more athleticism, but I'm going to agree with you on order. I think Seattle will find another way through smoke and mirrors to win 10 or 11 games. Right. And you mentioned Stafford potentially getting injured. I'm not going to argue with you because he's gotten injured in the past and it could happen again, especially with the pass rushes he's against. Yep. Yep. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. So, all right, Scott, well, let's talk about the other division, shall we? It is the, uh, what are they again? Oh yeah. The AFC West. Uh, do, we have, do we have to? I feel like we kind of know where we're going with this one. Where, where are we going, Scott? Uh, Herbert. No, we're going with Mahomes. Take yeah. me home, Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know. They have the, they have the longest odds of, of any team to win the, to win the division and minus two fifty on DraftKings. Yeah. Any value there? Yes. I mean, if you're looking at the percentage chance of them to actually win the division, if Mahomes stays healthy, it's a wrap. At least that's how I'm looking at it. Now you can make an argument with the chargers new head coach Herbert maybe has another great year. Some people argue about the sophomore slump potentially happening. It's another coach and another coordinator. It's a second year. Are we sure Herbert's going to be able to just switch systems and look as sharp as he did with his rookie season? Because I know of course he's very, very talented, but it takes some growing pains. Doesn't it? When you change systems and you hear a different voice in the locker room every week. I would think so. I, I would I would think so. I don't know how he clicked with um you know the guy Win? Yes. I don't they know. lost games, but he had fun, I guess. I guess that's what's important. Now, by the way, the AFC West this year, they are going to match up with the NFC East and the AFC North. So Okay, well that's half and half. It's kind of good news on good good news and bad news, right? Yep. How many wins did the Chiefs get out of those eight games? Oh boy, I'm trying to think of who they'd lose to in those games because they kill Baltimore every year. Seven. Okay, yeah, that's probably right. I I think they might they might win all eight, but I'll go seven. Are they going to be favored in every game this year, Scott? If Mahomes is healthy, they better be. The only if question not, I'm taking Kansas City guaranteed. The only question would be at Baltimore. They're they're not playing Tampa this year, so yeah. Well, they're not playing them in the regular season. No, correct. But I'm saying that's the one team who I think would maybe. Or maybe at Buffalo. Yep. Yep. And we have Buffalo at home, so. They'll, they'll be favored in that one. Sure. If Baltimore is favored in that game against Kansas City. Load up. They're going to get mauled again. Kansas we've C- seen this. We've seen the script about what? What is it, the third installment? Fourth installment? Yep. Kansas City. Uh, Pat Mahomes owns part of the Royals. He owns part of Sporting Kansas City. He owns a new franchise of Whataburgers. And he owns Lamar Jackson. Absolutely, they. Well, you know what? Not just Lamar, but that entire team. This is yep. this is a Kansas City team that traditionally has their way with Baltimore, especially in Baltimore. Oddly enough, 
So yeah, if you if they are not favored there, they absolutely should be. So we'll talk about the odds there. Uh, see if there's any other value, any other you might poke your head out and take a shot at. Kansas City minus two fifty, Chargers plus five hundred, Broncos plus five twenty five, Raiders plus fourteen hundred. Now Scott, I will say this before we get rolling. Chargers and Broncos having just 25 cents of difference between them makes no sense to me. I think the Chargers are a lot better. Way better. Exponentially better than the Denver Broncos. Especially if a miracle situation occurs and Derwin James can play more than three games in a single season. Mm-hmm. Then that team's defense should be a lot better as well. Yeah, that's a that's a team that yeah has to shore up their secondary and they had a lot of injuries last year. So Now, if you want to talk about the Chiefs being that big of a favorite and if it's worth it, the answer is yes. However, if you're getting cold feet, bet the Chiefs, bet the Chargers, you're making guaranteed money. Because if one team's going to win the division, it's not going to be Denver. Correct. It's not going to be the Raiders. Correct. Correct. Yes. Drew Locke or uh, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to take them to the promised land. They may get better. Uh, Locke certainly has the potential to get better. But in the Raiders, Scott, Raiders, do they still have the worst defense in the league? You know, uh, Derek Carr came out today and, or yesterday and said that he wanted to play to 45 like Tom Brady. I actually like Carr. I just think that the team around him defensively is so bad yep. that his record has been underwhelming as a pro. But the defense is terrible. And didn't they trade about half their offensive line? Yeah, not good. I don't, I don't, let me, will the, will the Raiders make the playoffs ever under Gruden? No. Yeah, I don't see it either. The defense isn't good enough, and truth is, I don't know who's doing the drafting, Mayock or Gruden. They can't draft anybody properly in the first round. Never could. Never could. Raiders have been traditionally awful at the first round. I Their best first-round pick in the last decade and a half was arguably Sebastian Janikowski. That wasn't even a first. Oh, that was probably, oh, God, Scott, that was probably probably been 20 years ago, maybe 25. Correct. That, yeah. I, that, was, that wasn't the first. Was it? That wasn't the first round, right? That, that would have been crazy. No, I think they took him in the third or the fourth. They no, took, they, they took, they took the him really. They took him really early. That's arguably the best pick they've had in the last like twenty years, and it was taking a kicker early in the draft. Yeah, yeah, that's that's but just sad, folks. You're going through the recent years. Cleveland Farrell, who was supposed to go around twenty five, ended up going top top six, top mm-hmm. seven. Mm-hmm. He's underachieved. Their receiver from last year, out of all the choices, I said on the air. He was going to go with rugs because rugs can go fast. And how'd that go? He got injured and he can't do anything besides run a streak. Yep. So that that's not working either. You got Darius Hayward Bay 2.0. No, the team's not any good. Sorry. All right. So just save your 14 to one money is what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm saying take the 14 to one money and sprinkle it arbitrage style on chiefs and chargers. And you should make guaranteed money in about, five six months yep and just to, yeah just to explain that you uh you cover your you cover yourself if the chiefs win and if the chargers win of course you get five to one you've laid 250 on the chiefs but you're still making a profit there so yep yeah good call good call on the on the arb there scott a quick reminder to everybody that you are listening to winners and whiners radio give us an hour and we'll give you the winners well scott we've just laid out some football winners for the gang let's shift gears a little bit and take a look at today's baseball card and of course it is getaway day, part two, which means a whole lot of games, Scott, going on in the afternoon. But there are some interesting night contests, including if you build it, he will come. The Field of Dreams game, Scott. Are you psyched? I'm thrilled. You know, I get to see the Yankees throw out Andrew Heaney in a nationally televised game on Fox against the favorite to win the AL Cy Young Award. Thrilled. Should, should go well. Andrew Haney made two fantastic starts so far with the New York Yankees, giving up uh, eight runs in ten innings. Yeah, Inclu- I'm sure Heaney has the element of surprise because he never used to face the White Sox when he was with you know the Angels over the last, I don't know, decade and a half. Faced them first game of the season, Scott. How'd it go? You know? You no, any, no, I believe it didn't go well. Three innings pitched, seven runs. Yep, <laughs> it, not it, good. It did not go well. So I told you off air that my buddy... Uh, he had tried to entice me uh, earlier earlier in the week to go to the game. He had found a couple of the tickets. Scott, any, any guess how much tickets were to the Field of Dream games? One forty. One forty? I have no idea. Eleven hundred dollars. Okay. Up, uh, up I, forgot to, I, I forgot to add a zero at the end. Yes, of correct. Well, they have very limited seating. 
I think they. I, I forgot to factor that in. Yeah, I think it only seats maybe twelve thousand, ten thousand. I was imagining bleachers, and I forgot that there was like corn in the outfield where the bleachers were. Spread. Right, right, man. You're hitting it. You're hitting it into the corn. It's mm-hmm. so I would I would have really enjoyed going, but no, <laughs> no, no, not. I'd a, save my money for a Super Bowl ticket. Not eleven hundred dollars. Yes. Well, the problem is the rest. Yeah, you, you have to save it up for a couple of times. But mm-hmm. you get my point. Yes, absolutely, absolutely correct. It would have been fun. But unfortunately, I just I just don't have the I just don't have the eleven hundred to throw away at this point. So, by the way, can you just uh, give me a brief reminder? Andrew Heaney pitches from which side? Oh, he's a lefty, Scott. I'll go with the White Sox. Yeah, even though the White Sox haven't dominated lefties the way they have in the past, they are still twenty and thirteen against the Southpaws this season. So, and you got Wayne on the mound on the other end. Yes. Plus, half the Yankees either have COVID or are injured. Other than that, but Scott, they won two out of three from the Royals. Aren't they hot? Uh, sure. You know, <laughs> I, I guess good. Good for them. They beat up on Brady Singer. Oh, so Scott, we get because it's a, it's a day game. We don't get to fade Fulton Evich. What's up with that? Damn shame. It is a it is a damn shame. So let's talk about the games that we actually have an opportunity to bet on. There's not many. No, there isn't. How about? This Colorado-San Francisco game, Colorado on the road, you know how they do on the road, Scott? Uh, not good. Not good. Not good at all. And they are fantastic. They're only 11 games under 500. Would you have guessed that? No. Judging of all the horrible games Colorado's played this season, like, yeah, they're 11 under. Uh, they're going up against the San Francisco Giants. Giants rolled over Arizona last night in a game that I actually had. Uh, I had took a shot on the... Uh, Arizona, don't don't say which side you had. You can save yourself some dignity. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, too many, too many people heard me make it, Scott. So yeah, that's fair enough. It didn't. It didn't go well. This is going to be Logan Webb going for the Giants against Herman Marquez for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, of course, the Giants are favored. It opened up at minus one fifty four. Money has uh, streamed in on the Giants, but it has been a steady trickle. Odds are now about minus one seventy on the G Men. Seven and a half is your total. It's where it opened, and that's where it stands. What do you got here? Any, any... I don't want to. I don't want to sound lazy, and I know that Marquez is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But how are you supposed to take Colorado ever on the road against the best team in baseball? I don't know, Scott. I, I don't know how that will work. I I think this is actually if, one of those prices that seems to be a bit of a bargain. I think it might be. Uh, if you want to make an argument for the Rockies, I would say take first five because we know the Rockies bullpen stinks, but the Giants find ways to win games. So I can't take the run lines. I think the Rockies might keep it close if Marquez throws a gem, but they can't win on the highway. It's really insane. They sweep the Marlins over the weekend, score about 95 runs in three games, go back on the road, zero runs, one run. That's just impressive stuff. Yeah, the other problem is Marquez has faced the Giants twice this year. Not good. Not good. First one went okay. He went five and two-thirds, uh, six hits, three earned. Not ideal. However, that looked like a no-hitter compared to the second time when he gave up six hits, eight earned, two walks, no home runs, Scott, which is incredibly impressive. How long did it take him to do that? You know? Two innings? two-thirds of an inning. Okay, that's even worse. Didn't make it out of the first. So, again, the era. past performance not always indicative of future performance. However, uh, in this case, it looks like the Giants have figured out something out against Herman Marquez. Again, he's on the highway, and we like him much better at home, even though he has pitched well on the road. Uh, two of his last three starts have been okay, but I'm just... I'm just talking now, Scott, because we're all over the Giants here. Giants run line, you care about that? I'm not going to take it. Uh, if I liked it, I was going to take Giants just money line itself or maybe Rockies team total under Okay. just because this team can't hit on the highway. But I think the Giants are going to win the game. All right, very good. What else you got, buddy? I'm looking at the Blue Jays and Angels matchup there with Berrios against Otani on the mound. Total's 8.5. Blue Jays are around minus 130. I like the first five under. I just like both starting pitchers in this spot, and that's kind of the only – that's really it. That's really the main logic I have for that one. You? Okay, yeah, I think I, I think that's I think that's pretty solid. Um, 
I probably don't have as much faith in Barrios as you do, but fair. I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Isn't Otani very, very solid at getting no run support at all for about the first five innings of every start he has? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of his deal. Yeah, it really it really is. You know, you're getting a good price there on Los Angeles. I mean, sure, Toronto can absolutely bop, but they've been a little cold lately. Uh, they broke out broke out a little bit yesterday, but they they kind of they were kind of struggling the games prior to that, and so yeah, there might be some decent value there if you wanted to play Otani and the Angels at plus one fifteen. I don't I don't hate that. Yeah, I'm looking at a four and a half first five. I, I think that's tempting enough for me to take it for the under. Okay, all right, good enough. And I think man, that's it. So many so many games I'm interested in that. So that what we can't what, talk about? Yeah, what did. So what do we decide? We're just gonna you're gonna lay the wood with with Chicago, with, uh, yeah. with, with the White Either Sox. That or team total or something. I just don't think the Yankees are gonna win. Team total over five and a half will play. Um, you play play the run line at plus one hundred eight. That'll play. The White Sox, if they score five runs or twelve runs with Heaney on the mound, you shouldn't be that surprised. Especially since the Yankees had a bullpen game yesterday. Yeah. Not many arms available out there. No first. You, you normally, we'd suggest playing the first five run line in an advantageous situation like this, but the Yankees bullpen's so bad. I know Larus is not going to be there because uh, he's attending a funeral, yep. so he's not going to be there. Correct. But uh, does that really matter in this case? I don't think so because the White Sox are just a really good baseball team. Yep, absolutely. All right, Scott. Well, let's take a look and see what we've got cooked up, shall we? You and I have put our heads together. We've come up with our favorite play of the day. This is the one where everybody says, well, what do you guys, what do you like best today? Well... We have answered that question for you. Time to strap on those little red overalls, put on your straw hat, climb on that John Deere, and let's get ready to bet the farm. Scott, how did we do yesterday? We had the Cardinals on the run line, and they won 4-0. So nice and easy win. Hard to win when you don't score, everybody. Very nice. Very nice indeed. All right. Well, we're going to try to make it two in a row and what, five of our last six? Feels that way. All right. I think, that, I think that's actually right. So, yeah, we won four or five, so we're ready to rock and roll. Let's take a look at the one game we didn't mention, Scott. That's going to be the San Diego Padres and the Arizona Diamondbacks. We are going to play the Padres on the run line, catching tremendous value here, Scott. As is DraftKings has it and the money line at minus 210. Padres, the visiting team, minus one and a half is minus 120. He's got 90 cents worth of value for the visiting team on the run line. Scandalous and unheard of. And I like it. The Diamondbacks have lost each of their last four games. Padres have won four or five. Three of those four wins have come by the required two runs or more. Uh, Taylor Widener is pitching for Arizona. And you know what he is, Scott? Not good at home. Not good at home. In fact, at home this season with that desert cooking, 8.36 ERA. He has not gone longer than five innings in an appearance since April. And Scott, the Arizona bullpen got some use yesterday as Merrill Kelly was not good. It's also just not a good bullpen. Nope, and it's not a good bullpen to start with. Meanwhile, you Darvish, he's pitching for San Diego. He's pretty good. His stats at night, Scott, loves to pitch at night. 84 innings, 6-3 record, 3.11 ERA. That, my friends, is going to be a wrap for us. We like the San Diego Padres, minus 1.5 on the run line, minus 120 over there at DraftKings against the hapless Arizona Diamondbacks. When in doubt, fade bad teams. Absolutely correct. All right, guys, and that is going to do it for the show today. As always, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching. Don't forget to drop us a comment. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on our podcast format on all your favorite podcast platforms. Download and like, subscribe, all that stuff there. And for myself and for Scott Reichel, for the whole team over here at Winners and Winners, appreciate you checking us out today. Wish you nothing but the best. We'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.
Thank you.